two, one. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, brother. How are you? It's good, man. It's good to see you. Same here. It's good to finally get you in here. Um, I love your your stuff, your brand, your company you've built. Thanks. I love it. Thanks, thanks. And for everyone that's not listening or watching on YouTube, he brought me this badass bag full of stuff from his company, High Speed Warrior. So a business card, these dope-ass stickers. Yep. One of each size. <clears throat> and then... Holy shit. Oh, this is a kick-ass shirt. Yeah, man. Yeah, this is a kick-ass shirt. <laughs> so there's the front with the logo, and then the back has a giant logo. That's badass. And there this is, is all available online. There it is. OfficialHighSpeedWarrior.com. All right. How long have you been um, running the site? So uh, I barely started my business uh, August of last year, so coming close to a year now. Um and it was, it's pretty funny. It's a funny story behind it because it started as a small joke, yeah. a little inside joke. Oh, and thank you for this. Oh, you got it, the, man. One of the best energy drinks out there. Yeah, dude. Every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it started as an inside joke with the buddies. Uh, we were at NTC last year. Um, and one of my buddies, he was like, hey, man, you know, we're out in the field doing our, our shit. And uh, he comes up to me. He's like, dude, you know, it'd be funny if... Uh, you had a, a sticker of yourself. And I was like, you know what, dude? That sounds like a pretty rad idea. Why don't we go along with it? So um, his girlfriend makes stickers, apparel, all that stuff. So I was like, well, let me shoot you a, a photo, and you can send it to her. I mean, let's see what it comes what comes up. So we sent it to her, and a couple days later, she sent a, the silhouette, uh, the yeah. infamous silhouette. Yeah. Continue your story. I'm just going to check the cameras. Make sure they're still running. Got gotcha. you. Yeah, go ahead. So it was the the silhouette is actually a picture of myself in um, in a deployment in Africa. So we uh, we rolled with that and it turned into a sticker, and they sold pretty good. So I was like, "Fuck, dude!" Well, so this that's me. This is the silhouette he's referring to. Yeah. Okay. Badass. It's a uh, yeah. So that's uh, we were in Djibouti, and um, that's when I uh, I took a picture of myself in Djibouti. Yeah. So. Hey, man, I took it, and uh, we rolled with it. The sticker sold pretty good, so that clicked a, a little fl uh, switch in my head. And I'm like, hey, well, the sticker sold good. What else can I do with this? Yeah. So I threw it on some caps, um, some mugs, and I just, there there was a good story to go, dude. <laughs> and that's what became of High Speed Warrior. No, that's badass, man. Um, so how long have you been uh, in, our, in the military for? Uh, military, uh since 2018, I enlisted April 6, 2018, so a little over four years now. Um, I'm planning to make a career out of it, so you know I got a long ways to go. So you're you're in the the guard side of it. Are you considering going active duty, or are you going to maintain like the guard and then do a civilian job and go that route? It's funny you ask that. Do you know? It's 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 very funny you ask that because since I enlisted, um, there's another long story behind it. But when I first tried to enlist, I was trying to go active, and this is back in. So when I got out of high school, I tried to get into to the military, uh, but I had a pretty bad juvie record. So uh, years and years went by, man. Tons of waivers. They still didn't take me in. I've tried every fucking branch, dude. I've tried. I'm, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I tried Air Force. <laughs> I tried Navy. I tried everything, dude. And they were all just saying, fuck you. And I was like, okay, whatever. Everything happens for a reason. 2015 was the last time that I had tried before I actually enlisted, and I was trying to go active duty, Army. And um, same thing, uh, I was engaged with my wife then at the time, and she uh, 
because they were going to send some more waivers up. They said, well, if you're going to take your family out to base once you graduate basic, why don't you guys get married and we'll send the marriage certificate along with your waivers and get everything done at the same time. I was like, cool. So we scheduled a court date to get married the very next day. dude. And this is while you're trying to go to active duty. Right. Okay. So I was like excited. We got married through the courts just to make speed up the process. You know, it wasn't planned to get married that fast, but we, we did it. Um, and a month later, they said that the waivers were no-go. So I was like, fuck, dude. Like, I rushed all this shit or whatever. It happened. This poor woman just signed her life away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Luckily, we're still married. She loves me. I love her. Um, but yeah, so yeah, they said trying another few years. I was like, God damn, dude. By the time, you know, I'm already 25 at that time. So I was like, dude, am I even going to be interested in the military after, you know, getting turned down so many times? Yeah. Um, so 2018 came around. I was still on the flow, man. I, I went through a little depression mode, whatever, after 2015, getting rejected for the 15th million time. Um, 2018 came around. For the fuck of it, dude, I went again. And I was like, well, let's try the guard side this time. Let's try and put my foot in through the door this way. So uh, I went in and did all the waivers, the same shit that I did 50 million times. And a month later, again, I got a call and said, hey, Come in tomorrow to MEPS. We'll get you in. I was like, fuck, dude, no way. This is a joke. And I went, dude. I went to MEPS. I enlisted. And I'm, I couldn't believe it, dude. I couldn't believe it. After all the fucking work, I, I persevered. I didn't quit. You know, that's part of the story behind of what I am and who I am. I just kept going at it. I didn't fucking quit for anybody or anything, no matter how many obstacles, no matter how many court documents I had to get, how many fucking questionnaires and shit I had to fill out. I did. I wanted to join the military as a kid. I finally fulfilled my goal of doing it, and that was a big day for me, April 6, 2018. So that's why I plan to make a career out of it, not yeah. just my four or six years, whatever. And so you found that you've you obviously found the least resistance um, on your path to getting the military. You found the least resistance going into the army. Um, and what's interesting that like the time frames, if you look at it politically, trying to enlist for the first time in 2015 was during the Obama administration. Yeah. And that's when they were just doing budget cuts left and right. Yeah. Um, I believe that's right after like 20,000 army captains or it was either 10,000 or 20,000. I know that's a huge deficit, but 10 or 20,000 army captains got fired. Yeah. Like they just got relieved. They're like, we don't need you anymore. Fuck off. Like have fun. They, they didn't collect retirement. They didn't do any of that. They're just like, peace, have a good one. Yeah. And then, um, and then come 26, the 2016 election, um, I know a lot of people, not just dudes, but like a lot of people that just immediately went into the military in one way or another because they knew Trump was president. Yeah. Because of how like um, <laughs> pro-military he was. Right. Which was, which is absolutely bananas to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, for better or worse, I mean, that's just absolutely bananas. And I know a lot of people that had the same situation you have, but they had, uh, pro they had tried waivers got kicked away or they were given false promises and then just those waivers were signed left and right <laughs> yeah. under trump yeah and you know that's one of the things that uh that does kind of worry me about biden and one of the multitude of things that worries me to put it conservatively <laughs> right that worries right. me is a lot of the, a lot of the things that are happening people that's why i mean i, th I don't think it's necessarily um a a well evidence-based thought to say that like maybe there are Obama practices being put in or maybe Obama's kind of whispering in his ear, Michelle's whispering in his ear. Yeah. But 
a lot of the way he's treating the military, the indifference he's giving the military right now, echoes what Obama was doing. Yeah. And it does worry me what they'll start to do because, I mean, I read an article maybe a month ago that the Army has hit 22% of their goal, 29% of their recruiting goal. I saw that. For their fiscal year. Yeah. And um, I don't think Biden's necessarily helping. Yeah. You know, I mean, after, I mean, certainly after the pullout from Afghanistan. Yeah. Yeah, that and, didn't help. You know what I mean? So does that, like, does that, as a service member, does that mess with your head a little bit? Cause, I mean, like, ever since 9-11, there's been a mindset of, like, well, who, as a, I've heard this and read this from so many service members just across the five, now six branches. Yeah. Where it's just, like, who are we fighting for? Who's really in charge? Whose needs are we serving? Yeah. And um, and now just after that, now under Biden, does do you, how do you digest all of that? Everything's been going on just from 2020. How do you digest all yeah. this? So it's it's been, you know, because I came in in 2018, you know, I was fresh. I was green, learning a lot of the practices and, you know, everything into the military bearing. Um, when Biden got elected, it was definitely a change and you could see it. Um, one of the main things... You know, it is hard to take in. It's hard to, to to process everything that's going on with the military, especially the pull out of Afghanistan, all this stuff. And um, I've tried to refrain from, like, political stuff, posting online, this and that, but it's so hard not to. Yeah. Being a service member, and not only that, but on the civilian side, you know, you know, it's we have the freedom to say whatever we want. And if we're going to get punished for that or, you know, um, grounded in some kind of way, then so be it. But that's what, you know, that's what it is. This, yeah. is, this is America. The podcast is brought to you today by OrganicPriceBooks.com. Uh, I love comic books. That is absolutely no secret to any of my friends, family, or listeners. And right here is just some of the comics that I have either bought or gotten sent to me by the fine folks over at Organic Price Books. As you can tell, they have a wide selection from DC, Independent, Marvel, and they have become the number one spot for everything omnibus, oversized hardcover, or just general collected editions. No matter what you want, they've got it. Go to their website and at checkout, use our promo code, just my name, Noah, N-O-A-H, to get additional discounts on top of what they already offer, which ranges anywhere from 30 to 50% off. OrganicPriceBooks.com, use my promo code, Noah, N-O-A-H, and start reading comics today. Well, it's always been interesting to me when people, like specifically people in the military, get in trouble for speaking, like, because it's one thing, because I know they're not allowed to go out in uniform. Yeah. And like go to protests and like, that's fair. Yeah. Because if you're in the uniform, you are representing an organization. You're representing, like, it's all supposed to be literally uniform. Yes. Right. It's all supposed to be the same exact thing. Yeah. Like your race, your gender, your political views, none of that matters. Yeah. Because you're doing a specific job under, you know, this, this, that, and the other. But as a human being... (laughs) Because they're supposed to be the land of the free, right? Exactly. And as a human being, in my opinion, you should be able to say whatever you want. I mean, to an extent, obviously you can't harbor or at least express like violent um, like violent statements or incendiary statements or uh, certainly not like terroristic statements, but yeah. like having fair criticism. Yeah. Like, there should be fair criticism of those above you. And then one of the best ways I heard it put, someone who's actually used to be in the National Guard a couple of years ago, that we're having a conversation like this. And they're like, they asked me, do you know what makes our military better than like 
China or North Korea or like Russia, right? They have they beat us by numbers in the millions. Yeah. I mean, you can't really question that. Yeah. But what makes our military so much better is that we're not a top-down organization. We're a bottom-up. And the way he explained that was if you are, if you and your fucking platoon or your company or whatever, you're going to go storm that hill. And your captain or your lieutenant says, all right, go take that hill. A sergeant or whoever is able to go up and say, hey, um, if we take that hill, we're going to get fucking bombed. So how about we don't do that? We reassess and we figure out a different plan. Yeah. They are inclined to believe you and to take that in consideration and do what they got to do. And you're not going to get in trouble for that, in theory, right? You're not going to get in trouble. Very cut and dry, but, you know. Yeah. In China, North Korea, Russia, you question your authority, they just shoot you, replace you with somebody, and they go get, they go do what they want to do. Yeah. And so the reason why I bring all this up is, like, you, like, yeah, you, should ha- you shouldn't be doing, like, protests and stuff in uniform, but as a human being, expressing how you, um how you think and how you feel is an innate human right as we have in the constitution. Yeah. And to say, Oh, you can't criticize your commander in chief. You can't criticize your company commander or you can't criticize your whatever, what, however high in the echelon they are. That's very, very reminiscent of don't talk shit about the queen. Yeah. Don't talk shit about the King, the nobles, the, you know what I mean? And it's like, we're, we're becoming, it's like the rattlesnake that eats its own tail. Yeah. You know, we're, it's almost like we're falling back into what we were running away from. Yeah. And I, it's safe to say that, yeah, you can't, you know, blatantly talk shit about, you know, your leaders. But if you're saying it in a, in a safe way, you know, in a safe way, yeah. um, I think that should be okay. I don't, I don't think you should be, especially when you're putting it on social media to make a point, um, as everybody does. That's the reason they go on social media is to make a point. <laughs> Yeah, you know? it's no um, longer. I'm getting a hot dog and going to the movies. It's here's how I feel about the president. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's. I, I don't think you should be getting in trouble for that, um, especially if you're saying it in a safe way. Um, you're not talking crazy shit about someone, but it, that that time's passed. Um, we're limited to what we can say as a service member, and that's fine with me. I've I've, I've crossed that path. Yeah. Um, and oh, so you actually. Like, you feel it's become like that now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and then not even that, but to top it off, uh, the people that are running these Bring the mic a little platform, closer. Uh, the, the people that are uh, run, running yeah, Feel these, free to fuck with it, dude. Yeah, it's it's I, real sturdy. <laughs> feel free to fuck with it. I, I tend to get over aggressive. <laughs> um, but no, uh, I think the people that are even running the social media platforms limit what you say, too, on top of everything else. So, I mean, yeah. it's not even fair, dude. It's it's not fair. So you got to pick and choose what you're going to say. If you do post something, it gets taken off. Um, I've, I can't tell you how many times I've posted something and they send me a message, they flag my shit, and they're like, well, we can't post it until we review it. Okay, go ahead, review it. I don't care. Right. Um, they, end up, they end up putting it back on, of course. So, um, But that's just what it is as a service member. Um, I don't post crazy shit anymore um i still try to stay away from the political side of things but just every day is something new under this administration i don't want to talk down to anything or anybody anymore but no it's a fact and it's just it was the same thing under trump yeah like it was a brand new thing under him he was treating he was tweeting at 3 a.m yeah like and you yeah. didn't know what you're gonna get from that guy yeah um, and because you're very open and you're very proud of your service and you're, you're very like, like to say you're outspoken about it, it sounds like a negative thing, but like, no, you're outspoken about it. You're jovial about it. You put it out there. You advertise your company and obviously that's born and bred out of the military. Yeah. Um, do you feel like, 
the people, whether it's people closest to you or maybe just people who think they're closest to you because they have you as a friend on Facebook, like, do you feel like these people almost expect you to like, oh, he's he's in the military. He's got infantry tattooed on his arm. He's he's a Republican. He likes guns. He, you hate Biden, don't you? Like, don't don't they expect? Do you feel like they expect you to say something kind of like incendiary or to have a hot take or to have a super like conservative mindset? Yeah. Um. I so again, in a personal sense, um, when I'm out and about in public, I again I try to stay away from the politics unless it yeah. comes up and they want to talk about it. I will talk about it. I'll express my opinions, but I don't. I'm not the first one to spark a conversation like, hey, yeah. this is how this is how things should be or this is how it's going to go or this is what I think. I don't do any of that. If they want to come to me and talk to, to me about it, I do. But as far as them expecting me to talk about some, I mean, like you said, I got the infantry tattoo. I mean, I'm always fucking decked out in military gear. You can call me whatever you want. These people sometimes... I got friends in the military that talk shit like, oh, you're one of those guys. The, like, the bro vet? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, that's cool, man. You don't know how fucking hard I work to get into the military, so I'm going to express myself the way yeah. I want to. So that's fine with me. It doesn't affect me. But um, as far as them expecting to me, for me to be some way, um, I think they, they do because, I mean, it's, it's all over me. It's printed all over me. Um, but again, I'm not the first one to go out and be a fucking dick about it and be like yeah this is how it should be or is it because i'm in the military you're gonna treat me this way or i think this trump should come back and do this and that i'm not like that yeah so i mean i'm, I'm fair with her i'm fair game with everybody yeah and, and you mentioned a little earlier that you uh you went to africa yeah uh when did that happen and how was that africa was interesting uh that was my first deployment uh i had just come back from basic training um so 2019 october I think that's when we took off. So 2019, we took off to, uh, we, we mobbed in Fort Bliss for about a month, and then we headed to Africa for about nine, ten months, if I remember correctly. And it was, it had its ups and downs. To have the experience of deploy, uh, deploying was fun. Um, but actually, the mission itself, it was a security mission, so that's the part that kind of sucked. Yeah. I, I wasn't in too, too into it. I wanted to do some high-speed shit and, yeah. you know, fuck around. But, you know, it was safe. We all came back home. So I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied with that. But the experience yeah. of having the deployment under my belt so early in my career, my military career, definitely set some stone for me. So Yeah. And so that first section of it, I think there's two important things. First of all, what was that first October portion? And then 19, which means it rolled into 20. Which yeah. means that you were deployed during COVID. During COVID. So we'll get to that for sure, because that bonkers, yeah. I'm sure. But so what was that first, like, because again, this is your first time deploying. This was your first experience. Was this your first time out of the country? The podcast is brought to you by one of our brand new sponsors, Bucked Up Nutrition. Look, it's no secret that I love going to the gym. Fitness and nutrition is a huge part of my life. And Bucked Up has partnered up with the podcast Help support it. I cannot be more excited. This is one of my favorite P workouts. It's a high stimulant nootropic. I'm hitting PRs today, so I cannot wait to use this. The Banff Black by Bucked Up Nutrition. They've also got, as you can see, some awesome clothing here. Um, I With my t-shirts, I personally prefer the low... Uh, short logo here. Use our promo code at checkout, OKPOD20, to get 20% off of awesome clothes, supplements, all their products here to include their stacks. That's OKPOD20, another awesome stringer here for an additional discount at checkout. That was, yeah, 
Like completely out of the country? Yeah. I, I don't know if you count going to Mexico, but I've been to Mexico plenty of times <laughs> as a kid, but actual overseas, yeah. Yeah. So first time leaving the country, it's a deployment. And then, so what was that first month like for you? Uh, first month out of country? Uh, well, if, first month like getting ready. You're saying down in uh, Fort Bliss. Yeah. So getting ready, moving for Fort Bliss, um, just prepping up, getting our gear, um, making sure everything's set, weapons, uh, plates, you know, everything, all our gear and shit. So that was, it was okay. A month in Fort Bliss, we got to, uh, we had our barracks down there. We had a little uh, MWR, which is a little rec center for us. Um, we had a DFAC, which is our uh, cafeteria. It was cherry. It was no complaints about mobbing. Um, and then actually flying out, we did a commercial flight, which I think was around, I think it was like 20 hour flight. Um, yeah, it was about a 20 hour flight, almost a whole day. That sucked. It fucking sucked, dude. <laughs> it was worse coming back cause we were in a C-130. Okay. So, uh, that one sucked even more, but yeah, mobbing the first month was fine. I was cool with it. It was a little hot, but whatever. What was the, uh, the family prep like? Cause I couldn't even, you know, so what, what was that? I mean, were you, you were married at this point. Yes. And you got a kid, you got a kid, right? Two kids. You have two kids. Yeah, yeah. I thought so. Yeah. So what was that like? Just mentally prepping for that. I mean, emotionally or spiritually prepping for that. So that's that, a very unique experience. Yeah, it is. It was rough, um, being our first deployment. So we, by that time I've already gone through a few ATs, which is our annual training once a year, but that's only like two, two and a half weeks. Um, it was nothing compared to 10 months. So, you know, I, I, I spent as much time as I could with my kids, with my wife, um, did as much as we could. Uh, I had to mentally prepare my kids for that. They were still young, you know, a year and three years, I think they were at the time, a year and four years. Um, but just prepping them for that, it was, I don't think they understand it. They didn't right. understand what was going to happen, what was coming. Uh, but um, I bought them a couple daddy dolls. I don't even know what that is. But Oh, no idea. <laughs> um, they're little uh, self-image. So you take a picture, you send it to a website, and they make a little doll out of you. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> in uniform. You're in uniform, and uh, you get a little voice recording. Oh, that's sweet. You say whatever you want. I love you, son. I love you, daughter. And you put it inside the doll, and they squeeze it, hug it, sleep with it, whatever. Take oh, it that's sweet. So I bought them each a, a daddy doll. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it affected them that much just because they were kids and they weren't processing what was going on. They just knew that daddy was away for a while. Yeah. Uh, my wife, <clears throat> on the other side, she she took it pretty hard, you know, being a, uh, independent in the sense that yeah. she had to take care of the kids more by herself. Than, I mean, she had help. She had her parents, my mom, all that. But um, just running the household, going to work, uh, I, I think that was pretty rough for her. But... Uh, we made the best of it, you know, over the deployment. Uh, good thing we had Wi-Fi out there. Um, shitty service, but still, it was something, yeah. you know. It could have been worse, but being able to talk to the kids while overseas was a big thing for them and for my wife as well. So, Well, it, I mean, I'd imagine for you, too. I yeah. mean, you're experiencing this as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, no, it, it helped. It, I coped with it. Um, and uh, it was a good experience. Like I said, uh, I took it under my belt. And there's probably many more deployments to come, who knows, but at least we know now what the mind frame is and how we prep for it, and the kids will be older, so we'll be able to prepare them for uh, for that a little more in the future. And so, and like, looking back at that first section of deployment, um, what 
would you, if you could go back, was there any advice you would give yourself to like maybe prep better, do more of this, do less of this, uh, whether it's like in the military side of it or if it's like in the familial side of it? Is there anything you would go back and change? Or do you think it was best case scenario? Uh, no, going into it, man, you know, leadership has a lot to do with uh, how you take things in the military. Um, now, that leadership's going to be either turn you in a good path or a bad path in the military, depending on who it is. So for me, um, uh, I didn't have the greatest leadership, so I didn't have the greatest preparation for it. Um, they were just like, here, take this, here, take that, and this is what you're going to do. You know, it wasn't really hands-on or in-depth of the explanation of what's going to happen and how we're going to do things. Now, who, who it was that gave the shitty leadership, you know, chain of command, I don't know who that's going to be up to. But as far as direct leadership, um, who I was under, it wasn't the best. So um, I think I just went in at first, uh, took it how I took it, and I just rolled with it. Um, it wasn't a bad deployment at all. Again, the leadership takes toll on your your guys. So um, I try to avoid that as much as I could, man. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm sure. And I, mean, I mean, being that you're a part of a National Guard unit, I would imagine that most of your of, of the younger guys, of the lower enlisted guys, that's their first time deploying, let alone leaving the country. Yeah. So that's a pretty big um, like responsibility. To t- I mean, leadership, as the higher you go, obviously the responsibility you get, but that's just a whole other added layer. Yeah. That I'm not sure how you um, um, how you prepare for that yeah. on a social level. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you, you get through Bliss, you actually get in there, um, and you said you went to Djibouti. Africa. Yeah. So what was that? Let's go like for the first 24 hours. So we get there. Uh, we stepped off the fucking plane, dude. It was hot. That humidity <laughs> just hit you right in the fucking face, man. It was, uh, you can't forget it. Uh, we got there. I don't know. They voluntold some of us to stay back and unload the plane. So I was one of the guys that got told. So um, a lot of the guys had headed to the Camp Lemonnier, which is a Navy base. I think it's the largest Navy base in the world. Um, some of the, the guys that didn't get volunteered to do all that shit just headed straight to the, the base and got their barracks set and all that shit. Yeah, they're, fuck this, I'm going to bed. Yeah, dude. I was like, <laughs> fuck, dude. So a few of about 20 of us stayed back, um, unloaded the plane, sweating balls already, dude. It was, it was hot, man. Uh, but as soon as we got there, we all carried our bags. We each had like three or four bags each. Uh, headed to Camp Lemonnier. The locals out there, man, uh... It was weird, man. They uh, they don't really speak English out there, um, but they they took us in their little cabs or whatever vans. I don't know what you want to call them. They're like little cab vans. Um, they shuttled us to Camp Lemonnier. Uh, took another hour to process, man, for in processing. We'd get our keys. Where were we gonna stay? How the how the base looked, the layout, everything. They gave us fucking presentations all this dumb shit man i'm like dude let's just pack our unpack our bags and go to fucking bed dude. sounds like gonna... orientation at college oh dude <laughs> yeah so yeah that was that um that was about the first 24 hours and then they wanted us to get up like by the time we went to bed we only got like two hours of sleep dude because we have to get up and do some dumb shit man more dumb shit so i'm like all right fuck it two hours of sleep why not um and we just basically went through a whole bunch of orientations the first fucking day. That was really it. There was nothing special about it other than 
getting our barracks, getting the layout, going to see the base, seeing what was where, where were we going to work out, where were we going to eat, all that shit. So. And how long do you feel like if it took for you guys from you're in your barracks, you're going through these orientations, these death by PowerPoints, <clears throat> how long do you feel like it, t- it took for you guys to uh, get like settled into a routine, settled into like, all right, like, cause there's a matter of resistance. Whenever you're doing anything new, going somewhere new for an extended period of time, the body, the mind naturally resists. Yeah. For a very select few people, it doesn't. But for a lot of people, it's like, okay, I don't want to be here. I want to go home. <laughs> this is bullshit. What the fuck are we doing here? Yeah. So going halfway across the world to a severely impoverished country, um, how how long do you feel like it took for you guys to get past that initial resistance period into like, all right, this is life. This is what things are going to be like for the next almost a year. So I would say that happened when we first headed out to Shabelli Airfield, which was our mission specifically. Um, once we got settled in, I think we stayed a couple nights at Camp Lemonier and, um, that was only where we were going to stay for our off days, our rest days. Um, so once, once the schedule got established of what we were going to do and where we we're going to go and how long we we're going to be there, that's when the realization hit like, Oh, okay, we're here in fucking Africa. This is what we're doing. <laughs> so what our schedule was for us specifically, our squad, our platoon, was that we were going to head to Shabelli Airfield, which is about a 45-minute drive outside of Camp Lemonier. Um, and there's no roads out there. It's all fucking dirt and paved fucking roads. It's not. There's no cement, nothing like that. Right. So we traveled 45 minutes out of base to Shabelli Airfield, which is a little tiny airfield, about six-mile radius, I think. Um, and we would stay out there for a period of 10 days for day shifts, and we'd sleep there for 10 days. And then once that 10th day was over, we headed over back to Camp Lemonier for our five rest days. So we get our five recoup days, do our laundry, do all this shit. Um, and then for our next 10-day shift, we'd switch to graveyard shifts to, uh, to Shabelli. And then we do our 10 graveyards at Shabelli, and then we go back to Camp Lemonier for a reset of five days again. That was just the same chain for the whole nine, ten months, back and forth, back and forth. Shabelli sucked because you didn't have anything over there, man. They had a rec center, but it sucked. Uh, the defect, you only had like pack, uh, shitty food, man. Um, Camp Lemonier is where it was at. They had a nice fucking gym. Uh, they had a nice cafeteria. Uh, the barracks, there's nothing special, but that's what it is. Um, what else? What else was special about that? Yeah, it was just Shabelli sucked, man. <laughs> Um, and then specifically we were just guarding towers around it. Nothing special about that. Um, but that was our mission for the whole nine, 10 months. It was just going back and forth for the five rest days and then 10 days and then five rest days, 10 graves back and forth. And you bring up an interesting detail, but the fact that when you're, when you're transporting, there's no roads, there's no pavement. And the level of poverty in a country like that is bananas. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, what, I'd imagine it's going to be a big thing you pull out of that experience going to uh, going to a third world country. Yeah. Like people complain. Her and I were just having this conversation, I think like two nights ago, with people complain and they bitch and they moan and they scream oppression and they scream, <laughs> oh, my life is horrible here yeah, in America. No like, there's no, get me wrong. We're not perfect here. There are groups of people here that have it a lot worse than others. And yeah. there's a lot of injustices in this country. I yeah. mean, you can't really, you know argue against that however 
Yeah. Not to be a dick, <laughs> but I would rather be homeless here than homeless in Africa. Yeah. Because, especially where you went. Yeah. Everyone is homeless there. Yeah. Like, everyone. I'd imagine, except for, like, the government and then <laughs> you guys. Yeah. Everyone is homeless. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Yeah, no. It's definitely fair to say that. It opened my eyes, personally, um, not to take things for granted. Because yeah. that, looking at the, traveling back and forth from Camp Lemonade to Chevelle, dude, all the fucking homemade camps that you see is nothing compared to what these guys have. They got fucking tents here and shit. You know, they could get running water. They could, they have cell phones here for fucking crying out loud. The homeless have cell phones. They can fucking, if you don't have cash on you, they're going to fucking pull up cash app on their fucking phone. You know what I mean? They've done that to me. <laughs> I've been at a fucking stoplight. I swear to you. Yeah. I've been at a stoplight. And I was like, no, because I don't carry cash. Like, yeah. I, I legitimately don't carry cash. Yeah. Because why would you in Albuquerque? Yeah. Let's be real. Yep. And he was like, no, man, it's cool. I got cash app. I'm like, you have cash app, my dude? You need an email for cash app. You have an email? Yeah, dude. So, I mean, that just goes to show that, yeah, um, you can't take things for granted. But it, it was an eye opener over there, dude, just seeing all that, you know. Uh, it's like you see on TV, man, and all the fucking movies you see. It was those, those kids chasing you for water and shit like that. That's, that's what they were doing out there, man. They're taking showers and fucking rain puddles and shit like that like dirty ass river water man it's just it's an eye-opener dude and i took pictures man i took pictures um and I, I brought it back to my kids and i said hey look look how fucking blessed we are like don't take anything for granted here because given the situation of you know people being homeless here this it could be worse you could be out there with these guys are i flipped through the pictures and i said you could be these guys right here so don't take shit for granted appreciate what you have don't ask for extra shit. That's just how it is. You know? you know, I I think about that when I have my like weekly or bi-weekly existential crisis. Um, <laughs> I, think, well, I think about how weird of a lottery it is to be born in America. Yeah. It is so weird. You, we, we could have been born at any time, yeah, anywhere, do, in, doing anything. Yeah. I mean, we could obviously, I mean, we could have been born into some kind of royalty or some kind of like kingship or whatever in like the dark ages we could have been in the future with all the elon musk chips and the, <laughs> yeah. the, the cyborgs and you know we could have lived terminator yeah but in the time that we're in um i know and, and i forget what i used to know offhand what the like actual statistic was the one out of however uh, quadrillion it is to be you <laughs> But um, we're here in America, yeah, and we're not in like Djibouti, Africa. Yeah, dude. we're not in the impoverished parts of like Venezuela or anything like that. Lord forbid, you're a slave in North Korea. Yeah, where there is a legitimate Holocaust going on right now. Yeah, that people just aren't really acknowledging. Yeah, um, I just think that's bananas to me. I've had know? that epiphany before, man. I, I've I, that's hit me before man the same it hits you more often than me but yeah dude I, that's i've thought about that shit dude and uh i i'm actually firstborn generation here in the united states so okay i'm pretty blessed dude like um my parents were both both uh both born in mexico okay. so uh they they come they came over the border back in the day um and they got their citizenship and i was actually the first in the family to be born in the states so i'm pretty grateful for that man so to be in the military even surmises what I've already done at this point to get in. Yeah. So, and not only that, but my sister is a Marine. So shout out to my sister, Whitney. 
she's a Marine too. Uh, she enlisted a year before I did. Oh shit. So for us to be firstborn generation and to join the military as siblings is pretty fucking mind blowing for us. So no, that's crazy. That's so, awesome. Yeah, no, we're grateful for you know uh, being in this time frame, being born in the states, yeah. and you know having the opportunities that we have to do what we do. And you know, and, and going back to your deployment and your experience. When did that hit you when it was like, we are in a third world country? Like This isn't just like a, vac- a vacation or like a new se- training scenario. Like we are in a, a, uh, an, a th- not only a third world country, we're technically in a war zone. Yeah. Because, oh, I fucking, because I, 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 I don't, to say you love reading about terrorism is a really weird thing, but yeah. like, I love reading about like current events and like what's going on and trying to keep up with all that. Yeah. And the dudes that were running around there, like they weren't, they aren't as big and organized as ISIS, but they're no joke either. Yeah. So to be in an, like, when did that hit you? When you're like, I'm in a third world country, I'm in a war zone. This is, this isn't like, oh, I'm driving down Martin Luther King Drive and I can lock my doors. Like, no, this is a legitimate uh, threat. I think that, uh, that had to be our first trip to Chabelli Airfield when we took that first little shuttle to work, uh, for a mission. And that was the whole purpose of our mission. Our whole purpose of us going out there was a security mission to defend that air base against a, this certain terrorist organization that was out there with minimal activity. Um, so we were there to secure that specific airfield. Um, but that realization came when our first shuttle trip to Chabelli Airfield. Looking at the roads, there's no, you know, all the homeless people out there, if you want to call them homeless. I don't know what you would call that. Just everybody's just yeah just severely impoverished it's just, it's just normal life out there yeah um but seeing all the kids out there chasing us for water asking us for food that first trip and i think that was uh i think that was about three days in landing in djibouti i think our third day in when we headed out to Chabelli's when i realized it like holy fuck dude and um not only that um uh, but again thank god we all got home safe and you know nobody got hurt or injured um we always had to keep an eye open because you didn't know who the fuck was going to roll up on you because we rolled, we rolled in uh, convoys. Um, and you dude, because there's no roads out there. You had the locals out there driving like fucking maniacs, dude. Uh, they were driving wherever the hell they wanted, but you know, you've seen sh- shows and movies, man. You don't know if a terrorist is just going to come up and roll up on you with a fucking VBID. Like, uh, yeah, you know, you don't know uh, if there's an ID on the fucking road. So that's that was the only main factor that, you know, of traveling back and forth that I was like, okay, don't be complacent, keep your fucking eyes open, keep your ears sound, just look out for anything suspicious. But. Did you did you ever feel that because I was about to bring it up, so it's good that you said it uh, about complacency. Yeah. Did you ever feel that spreading among you guys, spreading among ranks? Did you ever feel like that was becoming an issue or did it ever become an issue? Definitely. Um uh, I'd imagine it's tough not to if you're sitting because for what you've described, yeah, if you're sitting in guard towers all day, yeah, and yeah. it's low activity, yeah. So we I have mean, twelve hour shifts uh, out there. During there you the mission. go. Twelve hour shifts here are tough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, no shit. Um, twelve hour shifts, man, of just guarding towers is a fucking rough one, especially the graveyard parts because you only get five rest off rest days to adjust your schedule to go back to fucking days, and then you come back again. And readjust for graves. So it was a rough 10 graveyard shifts, you know. Um, but I would say, yeah, to answer your question, a lot of people did get complacent, man. Um, 
and I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I myself did a few days, you know, there's here and there where, you know, you're going to let loose a little bit, but for the most part, dude, I stayed on top of my game. Um, I was trying to impress my leadership again. That goes back to the leadership of the ones that I had. I wanted to impress them as best as I could. I wanted to show them that I'm not just here for a four year fucking contract. And I wanted to maintain that throughout my whole career. So um, I did what I could. I, I stayed for extra hours if I had to. I volunteered for extra shit. That's what I had to do. But um, as far as other people getting complacent, it, it happened a lot, man. Um, people just didn't give a shit a couple months in, dude. Yeah. And we had nine, ten months out there. So um, that's, the, that's the slack you got to pick up personally. To, it, does that ever worry you? It does, man. It does. And that's, uh, we could talk about this later, but again, going back to leadership, man, that's what it all comes down to in the military, dude. And although I'm not in a leadership position myself, I think we all have leaders within ourselves, no matter what position or rank you are. Yes, an example. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to, and on the other point, I don't want to be someone who thinks they're all fucking top shit. Like, oh, look at this specialist. He thinks he's a fucking staff sergeant i don't want to be that guy either i don't want to be making demands and shit but i try to pinpoint hot topics to to keep other people from being complacent you know what i mean yeah so yeah people get complacent out there but um you just got to send them reminders man just like hey dude you got a few months left let's just fucking roll through let's just roll through this man it's rough but i'm going through it you're going through it too so you know so you get through the nine to ten months that you're out there um, but I'd imagine because you say you said you had a month from October, November, you're there in November. So November to December, January, February, March. So right smack in the middle right in the of middle. your deployment. Yeah. COVID hits. Fucking COVID, dude. So what was that like? Because you guys, I mean, not only are you halfway across the world, but you do have internet service you you're on social media you see what's going on around the world just like anybody else is yeah but you're still like attached to america because you're obviously a part of the military Mm. but you're not there yeah but then you're still affected because you're dod yeah and then so but then you're in this like weird bubble yeah so what was that like watching like the first reports come let's start there like the first reports coming out what what did you guys think about that so yeah that was march um and we all thought it was a fucking joke, dude. Ah, <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, Thank you for being honest. Shit, bro. So we thought, you know, it was a joke. And we're like, whatever, dude. It's, uh, let's see how far this goes. Um, so we started seeing on the, on the news. I specifically remember I was eating food in, at Camp Lemonnier. They had TVs all over the place. I was eating my breakfast, dude. I specifically remember look, the first fucking time I saw this shit. It was... Uh, I forgot what news station it was, but we saw it on the news, and I was like, okay, coronavirus 19, whatever whatever you want to call it. And I was like, okay, so how does this differ from, you know, all the other shit we've had? So I left it at that, man. I started talking to my wife, and uh, of course, it took toll in America then over there because I was, I was talking to my wife, and she's like, yeah, they're, uh, they're making up all these rules and shit. And I'm like, what do you mean? I, uh, they started with the mask thing. Like, okay, okay, so you got to wear a mask or whatever. Like, yeah, now they won't let us go. As I talked to her throughout the weeks, she's like, yeah, now they won't let us go to the stores. Oh, now they're talking about maybe us getting shots. And I'm like, what the hell is going on over there? And uh, I I couldn't fathom, you know, what what she was telling me. 
So um, as I saw it on the news, I was putting one and one together. I'm like, okay, they're really fucking doing this. Like, they're really doing this. So it didn't affect us in Africa until I think a, a few months in, March, April, May. I would say a couple months after March, um, that's when they started playing fuck fuck games over there in Africa during our mission. Then they started telling us, hey, now you guys got to wear masks. I'm like, really, dude? <laughs> oh, my what? God. <laughs> what the fuck? So that happened, man. And it started getting stupid, man. They're like, yeah, you got, they shut. Oh, dude, that was the worst part. So uh, I explained all the extracurricular activities that we had out there in uh, Camp Lemonade, the rec center, all the shit. Uh, we were allotted two beers a night on our rest days. Um there's a, a little club, like a club, if you want to call it, a little dancing bar kind of deal at Camp Lemonade. Bro, they shut everything down, dude. Every fucking thing they shut down when they started making us wear masks. We couldn't have our beers anymore. They shut down the fucking clubs, the rec centers. They shut everything down. They shut the fucking gyms down. They shut the barberships, or barber shops down for a little while. So we got some wild hair there for a little bit. Uh, in the dead of summer you've got dude, long hair bro, yeah dude oh. they shut everything down and we're out there deployed man like we gotta have our fucking fun out there dude and they took all that away from us man and to top it off they made us put the fucking mask on the whole six feet apart kind of deal um it was just it they got stupid with it out there man and on we just couldn't wait to get back home after that but once we did return home we realized that it was even worse over here because it was fucking ghost town when we returned from deployment. It was uh, August 2020. Yeah, about August 2020, we came home. And then I was like, holy fuck, this is real. Like, there's nobody out shopping. There's nobody driving the fucking streets. Um, I don't know if the shots were required then. I don't think they were. No, uh, that wasn't until the beginning of last year. Okay, yeah. So uh, I, saw, I saw everybody with masks when I did go out. I'm like, dude, what the fuck, dude? And from the beginning of this whole pandemic shit, dude, I was totally against it for obvious reasons. But um, I, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten in trouble for not wearing a mask, dude. Yeah. Whether it be for work, for military, or any personal reasons, dude. Uh, I'm one of the few, to, one of the many to get criticized for it. But I'm fine with it. You know, that's... So, obviously, it had, overseas, it had a ridiculous... Um, social impact on you guys yeah it's taking away like you said your leisure your anything you had to do over there it sounds like to blow off steam is gone yeah from your point of view because being at the bottom levels you're the ones that get affected by poor and great logistical planning across the board you get affected the most yeah so how do you feel like all these whether it was like Obviously, the mask that's just that's just uncomfortable. It adds to the discomfort. Yeah. But when it comes to like social distancing and like weird COVID regulations, I mean, did you guys have quarantines over there? Uh, yeah. So. So how does that affect like your mission logistically? Did you feel so quarantine? From what I remember, um, the people who were because we had minimal cases out there. Um, I would imagine they were making us wear masks before there was even cases out there. But I think uh, the cases started happening when people were coming from uh, the United States to Camp Lemonade because that's the world's largest right. Navy base. Everybody's fucking going over there. Right. So, oh, so they were still, like, doing military flights in and out. Yeah. Yeah, okay, they were. interesting. Yeah, so someone had caught a case and brought it into Camp Lemonade. So like, oh, fuck! That's what happened, <laughs> ruined dude. Ruined it for everybody. They ruined it for everybody. So they shut everything down. Um, 
as far as I remember, dude, I don't think there was even many cases to begin with. Uh, they kept it down to a minimal. But uh, that's what that's what happened. Someone caught a case, and then they just took precautions and shut everything down. And uh, we're left with our fucking sucking our thumbs, dude, for the rest of that time. And it sucked, dude. It sucked not having any of those extracurricular activities, uh, the social distancing. Oh, the quarantine. That's what you asked. Um, so they, the people who were catching the cases... Um, I think they got sent to a set, uh, they, they, they made a certain little part of the base specifically for people who caught the cases. And they, I think at that time, if you got it, you had to be quarantined for two weeks at that time, I think, when it first started. It was 14 days. Yeah, it was 14 days. So they kept you in that little section. You couldn't do anything for 14 days. You had to stay in that section. They brought you your food. You couldn't leave. You had your own little laundry and shit and toilet and all that shit there at that section. But you couldn't leave out of that quarantine section. Yeah, so um, that's what I remember for quarantine during deployment. When we got back, we had to quarantine. And that sucked too, man, because we were quarantined for, again, two weeks. And we stayed in, uh, we went like back. Back to, in the States, right? Yeah, we went back to Fort Bliss to Demob. And then uh, that's when we saw everybody wearing masks and shit. It was just so weird, dude. Um, and yeah, we had. What, what happens, like, sorry to like, sidetrack, but like, uh, mentally okay. speaking, like, what? What goes through your head? Because the America you left yeah. is not the one you came back to. Exactly. So how do you how did you guys like mentally start to digest that and process that? So um because so it didn't really affect me until we got released from demob. So we came back, we demobed, which is demobilization. We unpacked all our shit, we returned our gear, made sure everything was good to go. And we were quarantined for the two weeks before we can even do any of that. But for me, it didn't affect me until we got released from all that. Um, and that was late August when I finally returned to my family. So they picked me up at Fort Bliss and we started driving home. And that's when I started seeing everything. Because when you're, in, when you're on base, you're not in public, technically right, speaking. Right. You don't see everybody, all civilians and shit like that. You're, you're doing military shit. But when my family picked me up and we went to the hotel, that's when I was like, holy fuck, dude. Like, this is real, dude. Like, everybody's really taking this shit seriously. Like, everybody's masked up. Everybody's doing the social distancing. There's signs everywhere. Either mask up or get the fuck away from me kind of deal. And that's when I was like, dude, come on, man. So I had a, I think if I remember correctly, I had a month off before I had to return to work. And because everything was shut down. Um, I, I mean, I'm grateful to have my family, dude. I spent a lot of time with my family post-deployment, so I didn't really fuss too much about going out and eating at restaurants or going clubbing and shit like that. So I stayed home a lot with my kids and my wife, um, because everything was shut down, dude. So mentally I was processing it okay because I had my family at home and we're doing family things at home, you know, watching movies, playing games, reading books, playing in the backyard kind of deal. I wasn't really affiliating with the public anyway to begin with. Yeah. Um, and then when work started, my civilian job, they said, Yo, you got to work from home. So that fucked me up. I didn't last there long after that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it didn't affect me on a, on a big toll for, as far as mentally, it didn't affect me too much, dude. Yeah. I, I was just trying to stay away from the public anyway. So Yeah. Well, it was weird because I remember uh, when it all started happening, and this is a 
whenever COVID comes up, I always pose this question and everyone tends to have like a, whether or not the answer is the same, a viewpoint that differs. You know, I think about as the pandemic unfolded and everything that was going on socially, right? Yeah, we had the masking, the dis- social distancing and like the, I mean, watching the cases skyrocket is scary to some people and I understand that. Yeah. You know, because especially in the beginning, like when we were in that first three to four months, you don't know how deadly it is yet. We don't know what it's going to do, how it's going to evolve, that kind of thing. Right. And you're seeing just inside two months, like almost a million cases a month after uh, three million cases. And yeah. You're just kind of, you are snowballing. <clears throat> Um, you know, but then fuck, and like I think the beginning of June, maybe end of May, beginning of June, the George Floyd incident happens. Oh yeah, and then all the riots kick off, like not just in America fuck. but across the world, these riots kick off. Yeah, and I always think about how much different the pandemic would have been if George Floyd never died. Yeah, or if none of that ever happened. So was that weird, like being still being overseas but watching America burn? Yeah, dude. Like, because you're just watching it through Wi-Fi. Yeah. You know what I mean? What was, I mean, did that ever, did that, like, kind of startle you guys at all? Yeah, it pissed me off, dude. It pissed me off that I couldn't be home with my family during that fucking rough time, especially for them, because it affected them more than us. Yeah. Um, But it pissed me off pretty bad, man. And then the fact that they had everything shut down, and then when that incident happened with George Floyd, the, the states just went crazy, dude. And it was just like, okay, there's no more pandemic because everybody's out and about fucking rioting and shit like that. There's just, just rules temporarily disbanded for this moment in time. You know, you see, and what's, what's weird about that, I, I just conservatively saying weird, yeah. is because like you say that in public, people are like, oh, but they were rioting for their rights. It's like, okay, 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 fine, fair. You want, Okay. Yeah. But it's very strange to hear politicians say, you know what? You can't you can't go to stores, you can't go to movie theaters, no <laughs> concerts, no gathering. Yeah. Unless like this is straight from like the mayor of Los Angeles. Unless you are rioting for Black Lives Matter. Yeah. It's like, yo, like I'm all for letting people protest, mm-hmm. but I'm also not really for favoritism either. Yeah. Like, do you think they have a magic bubble around them that's stopping the the vid? <laughs> like, yeah, what, that like, seems to be their here? logic, man. It's... Like, it was just weird to see that or to see the, uh, fuck, who was it? The mayor of um, Seattle or something like that saying, well, maybe this will be like the summer of love. Or maybe that was LA too. <laughs> I forget who it was. But all the crazy shit tended to happen in Southern California, Oregon, Washington, and then New York. All yeah. the crazy shit. Yeah. One thing I remember watching that was that was out of the states. I remember because um, Italy got fucked up pretty bad. Yeah, because like the culture of Italy. I mean, the dad, the mom, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, the grandma. Everyone's living together. <laughs> yeah. so they got fucked up. Yeah, but then like Spain. Like I remember watching these videos. You can't. I've tried. You can't find them now. But I swear, I remember seeing these videos of these paramedics uh, zipping up old, like alive old people in body bags yeah. that they thought were infected, just zipping them up in yeah, body bags. Like, dude. what the fuck is going on? She got dumb, dude. Yeah. She got dumb. It got scary. Yeah. It got real scary. And then they, uh, <laughs> during the riots, the the mayor of Portland in the um, apartment building he lived in, did you hear about this? No. So he was, in the apartment building he lived in, he was very outspoken and supportive of Black Lives Matter. Yeah. But because he was the mayor, the Black Lives Matter rally came to his apartment building and tried to burn it down. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
No, I don't think I heard yeah, about that. Yeah, wild. Wow. Absolutely insane. Damn, dude. Um, so yeah, I'd imagine that would be tough to see all this crazy shit going on. I'm I'm surprised that worse things didn't happen in Albuquerque. Yeah. To be frank. <laughs> I'm yeah, shocked. No shit, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure if something happened like that again, it'd be a different story now. Now that we're a few years into a new administration and things have happened, whatever's happened's happened. It's a snowball effect. So yeah. uh, hopefully nothing like that happens again. Um, I mean, there's a lot of crazy shit going on right now, but yeah. um, that's just where we're at right now. Um, so being like being in this post-COVID world, I mean, like it's kind of cliche to say that, but it is like a different world than it used to be in 2019. Yeah. Has that affected like your, because I feel like a lot of people, especially in the military community, they have a very disdained view on the United States now. Has, has that ever changed for you? Has that ever been altered? Have you questioned things? Like, why am I still in the military? Am I doing the right thing? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? That, those are very good questions, bro. Um, and I, I do think about that. I ask myself that um, every day, dude, to be honest with you. And, you know, when we enlist, we enlist to defend the Constitution of the United States. That's where it's at. Um, so everybody has their rights. Everybody has the right to express themselves, whatever, dude, I'm all for it. Um, it's just that when they try to force rules upon us and not them, that's when it kind of bugs me. But in the long run, I think to myself, well, I signed up to defend the constitution of the United States. So whatever happens, happens. I'm just there for it. Again, I just don't like them telling us that we're supposed to do this and that. Like, for example, dude, the fucking vaccines for us. When they made us get the damn vaccines, that fucking pissed me off, man. Because although a lot of us, and props to the people who who stuck with their religious exemptions, dude. Because that's the, that's the boat I was going to hop on, a religious exemption. And uh, this goes back to my story of me enlisting, man. I tried so fucking hard to get into the military and to have them say, well, if you don't get the vaccine, you're going to get kicked out. I, I wanted to use a religious exemption to keep me in the military. I didn't want to get kicked out. But when they said, fuck your religious exemption, I was like, okay, all right, dude, just give me the fucking vaccine. I've, I've fought way too hard to get to this point in my life. I'm not just going to let four years slip by. I'm four years fresh in my military career. Can't let that throw away. Just over a fucking shot. Just give it to me, dude. I got 16 more years ahead of me. Yeah. So that's what pissed me off. But um, to go around your question, man, yeah, it's uh, to think about that every single day that under the administration that we're at and all the fucking shit that we're going through as service members, uh, I just feel bad for, for our, our service members, man, like the shit that we have to go through to, to remain where we're at right now and all the shit we're going through, the pullout in Afghanistan. Uh, that affected a lot of veterans, dude. That fucking 20 years worth of fucking war. Just thrown out the drain, dude. And, you know, a lot of people have their opinions whether we should have or not. But look how many vets it affected, dude. Like, look, the suicide went fucking spiked after that shit, dude. After, you know, COVID had already made a spike. <sighs> On top of COVID, dude. So um, I don't like the some of the decisions that they're making um, that that affect us service members, but... I try to stick it out, man. Uh, I try to stick it out. Um, just put up with the bullshit and uh, just take it in the fucking chin and you keep going, man. That's that's how I look at it. I mean, and that seems to be one of the only ways you can go and still keep your sanity. Yeah. And, and again, like I said, I like keeping up with current events, seeing what's going on. 
And no matter how, I mean, higher up they are than the civilians, obviously, but watching whether it's the political leaders, the military leaders, you know, whether it's the Secretary of Defense, the Joint Chief Staff, whatever, right? Yeah. The guy who's in charge of them. Um, it's concerning when I've get, the pullout went the way it went. It's, it, I don't think it could have gone worse, to be quite frank. Yeah. I don't think, like, I'm not a logistics expert. I'm not a any sort of, I don't have any experience doing that. That must have been a nightmare yeah. to even attempt that. Because I feel like once you, if you track the history of that conflict, it's hard to call it a war. Because, I mean, the war of in Iraq really ended in about 2011, 2012, when we thought we were done. Well, 2013, 2014, when mm. we thought we were done, yanked some people out. It got worse, threw people back in. And then Obama transitioned that problem over to Trump. Yeah. But, you know... Once you start having that happen, that was almost like a precursor to like, whoever's going to decide to leave this country or leave this region, they're not going to do it well. Yeah. It's almost an impossible, like to be fair and to give, uh, not credit, but like to, to, to be as, um, like neutral as possible in the situation. It's like, it was a shitty, it would have been a shitty situation anyway. Now, yeah. is it, would it, it I would have hoped <laughs> That it's possible to pull out and not leave millions yeah, and mi- tens of millions of dollars of equipment. Yeah. Not only just because if it's, it's it's one thing to say, all right, we uh, we need to leave because like I, who the fuck said this? I forget who said this, but they said it perfectly. It was like Amer- the average American, the average American citizen who's never left the country, never really read up on current events, never really educates themselves on what's going on right now. They can't uh, grasp the concept that some people don't want democracy. Yeah. Some people don't want freedoms. Yeah. And that was kind of a underlying fact that I saw from a lot of people that are like the more like like the bigger people in the military community, whether it's like the people like Tim Kennedy, Jocko Willing, uh, David Goggins, people like that who have like podcasts who are very outspoken. Yeah. Um, who give their points of view of what's going on. The common denominator ha- just happened to be like these people don't want it. Yeah, they it's it's taking the horse to water and forcing it to drink. Yeah. And then the minute you walk away, they just st- they they parts themselves. Yeah. So it's one thing to say, all right, we're going to leave all of our equipment to our allies. Mm-hmm. It's another thing entirely to say we're just going to leave it and whoever get, whoever got dibs. Yeah, you dude. Know, Taliban's got dibs. All oh, they got dibs. Okay. Yeah. And I. Uh, I, I spoke with a couple of people that I know that are, whether it's like they've just barely gotten out of the military within the last couple of years, or they were in, you know, the first invasion of Iraq. They were in Fallujah. They went through that whole spiel. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, like, I mean, they, they fucked it up the first time. And then now, you know, to see that we're completely gone, uh, we have friends over there that we know are dead. Mm-hmm. And then to see these people that we were fighting against, Running up and down the streets with our shit. Yeah. That's scary. That was horrific to see. And like so and the reason I bring all this up and the reason I bring up like the higher, like the political leaders and like the sec def and all of them, it's like all of this happens the way it happens. Yeah. And it's very tragic. Yeah. And then they start doing their debriefs and it's and it's televised. <laughs> yeah. Like it's televised. Like they're live reactions. They're live 
breakdowns that they've had time to prepare. It's and and fair to the press. One of the only times in recent memory where they're doing their jobs properly across the board, and they're asking them like legitimate questions, like, "Did you guys plan for this to happen? Like, was this the plan <laughs> yeah. to completely burn this down?" Yeah. And their answer was, "Well." Uh, we thought that they could handle it, but um, we knew at some point it would fall apart. We just didn't know it would fall apart this quickly. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, you guys planned for it to fail. Yeah. Why is that ever a solution? And then another thing that, because we don't really talk about the pullout anymore just because, like, it's not a hot topic. It's not, it's not getting clicks. Let's be honest. It's not, it's not getting clicks on Facebook or Instagram anymore from the yeah. major media outlets. But it's like, there were Americans left over there. Yeah. Like, that's treason. How is that not treason? Yeah. Like, because in my opinion, again, I don't really have a whole, I don't have any experience, not a whole lot. I have no experience. But as a commander in chief, you are responsible for everything that the military does and does not do. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the generals that are under you, the civilian um, leaders that are under you that are control the military. You are responsible for what they do and do not do. Yeah. And you guys either made the decisions or allowed it to happen where Amer- like just you could leave it at just Americans were left and are now dead mm. because of you. Yeah. And then you get into like NATO allies, Iraqis we were fighting with, Afghanis we were fighting with, and uh, just a multitude of journalists and reporters that are from across the world that are now dead. Yeah. And yeah. we know this now. Yeah. No, I think it, you're right. Uh, whether it would have been 10 years, five years, or five years, two years ago, or even further down ahead, it, the pullout was going to happen one way or another. But it could have been done more strategically to prevent all that. Leaving the weapons, getting our Americans killed out there. It could have been done more strategically instead of just, you know, whatever it was they decided and they acted upon caused whatever happened, man. So, um I think it could have been done in a smarter way, but I'm not surprised that it turned out that way. So, and, and so looking at that, like, yeah, those people are so detached from you. Like they, you're never going to like, realistically speaking, you're never going to interact with them unless you, unless the happenstance. Right. Mm. But in my point of view, you should be like the goal, especially now with the, like we were saying earlier with the low uh, retention recruiting rates, the goal should be to keep as many people in the military as possible, motivate them to move up and go do those crazy jobs. But to see like those are the people running the show, mm-hmm. does that like make you think, well, who the fuck is like right above me then? Who is like running it at the like he's in the National Guard at the state level? Who's running it? Like, does yeah. that ever worry you? Yeah. Like, so these are the clowns that get moved up. These are the guys that get promoted. Oh yeah, they say once you hit a certain rank, man, you go into politics, and uh, it shows, dude. So. Um, I, man, this is crazy, dude. So if you want to move up a certain rank, I mean, and it's pretty high up there, um, you're eventually going to put your foot into politics and you're going to start hanging out with those people, that certain game up there. Um, which personally I, I wouldn't do myself, man. Once I had a certain <laughs> rank, I'm done at that rank, but, um, that's just the decisions that they're making, and that's the leadership that we got to go through, and that's the re- that's the reason right now why the retention rate is so low, man. Um, and then now they're coming up with these. I don't know if you saw my post a few days ago, um, but they're just coming up with all these crazy rules, and they're they're a little more lenient as far as the. I don't know if you saw the the 
the tattoo. I, think I was it gonna was say. A well, thing. I saw the tattoos got um, edited, yeah. and then um, I want to say like piercings. I, I don't remember the piercings. Maybe? I know a few months back they did the the hair thing, yeah, the nail polish thing, um, and then yeah, they just did the tattoo thing. So they're just coming. They they realize the numbers are so fucking low that they're adding a little more leniency as far as keeping others in, or allowing others to join. Um, but it's just those little minor things that they're doing to bring back people or to keep people. You know what I mean? And it, I don't, I, that's just shit that doesn't matter, dude. Yeah. Like it's shit that doesn't matter. Like, yeah, we got tattoos and shit, whatever. It doesn't affect me personally because I'm never going to get fucking tattoos on my hands or my face and neck and shit like that. But yeah, um, that's just what they're doing to, to keep soldiers, man. And the retention rate, they're, they realize that the numbers are getting so low and, could you blame the numbers for being so low after what's been happening? And, you know, the mandated vaccines, the fucking spike in the, the veteran suicide, all that shit. You can't be surprised at those numbers, man. You can't. Well, and the the parallel that you're making where it's like they're doing these small things that are non sequiturs. They don't matter in the big scale. Like, is it nice to have hand and face or hand and neck tattoos? I'm sure it's nice. And I'm sure it's nice to have like, um, especially like uh, for service women that are African-American that want to have like their dreads and not having like their hair, like mm-hmm. super. I, I remember that, that being a big topic of conversation. Like I bet that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's a, not to be a, you know, a dick, but like, that's just a, such a small margin yeah. and a really, it's like a bandaid solution. Yeah. And it's like, well, if it's something like that uncomfortable for these soldiers, you should have been doing it in the beginning. Yeah. Like, why is this a problem now? Yeah. But the, the comparison you bring up echoes a lot of what I, so I spoke with uh, Jay Block, do you know who that is? Yes. So I spoke with him uh, beginning of last month, and it sounds like a lot like what he was talking about with our state government where, so we have the Intel plant up in Rio Rancho, mm-hmm. and Intel was thinking about opening another plant, and it came down between New Mexico and Arizona, mm-hmm. and they went with Arizona. And when he spoke with the Arizona governor and was like, I mean, congrats, but like, do you know why we didn't get it? The governor was like, do you guys were never even the conversation? Like they considered you, but when they like started talking to your politicians and how they run things and how, like what their priorities were, it became obvious that they didn't really care about your guys's economy. Yeah. They wanted to keep their jobs. They were, they weren't looking to actually give into, because obviously Intel wants the benefits, right? They want the benefits of opening a plant. They want, whether it's tax breaks, they want this out of the other, but, they didn't really care about that. Yeah. They were so po- focused on the marijuana bill and focused on um, the tax, like the taxes problems here mm-hmm. that they didn't realize because I think we would have gotten, I think he said like 16,000 jobs out of that. Yeah. I'm like sure it's up there. 13 to 16,000 jobs with yeah. a median price being $63,000 a year. Yeah. That's in like to include benefits and this, that, and the other. That's insane. Yeah. That is that would have done. I mean, obviously, would it have like turned the economy around? No, but that's a better step than legalizing weed. Yeah. And I'm all for legal weed. Yeah, I love legal weed. I think that should have been. I think that should be federally legalized. And anyone who's in prison for a nonviolent <laughs> drug crime—that's so dumb. Yeah, right. It's so dumb. Yeah, but like, there are priorities. Yeah, like you can fix weed with the executive order. They, you don't need to vote on that. You can just sign it into law, and then. Anyone, especially in today's day and age, anyone who fights against that loses the loses their jobs. Yeah. Like they loses an election. They're never going to get an election. Yeah. Um, but 
they should have been focusing on on the intel stuff. Mm-hmm. And the way I see that in the military side, especially the way that you're describing it, is instead of focusing on hand tattoos and neck tattoos and God knows what, why are so many service members committing suicide? Mm. Why are so many reservists, like specifically reservists and guardsmen, because they're not doing the military full-time, it's one week in a month mm. and two weeks out of the summer, why are so I think it's like 18% of reservists live below the poverty line. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? That shouldn't be a thing. That's absolutely insane to me. Yeah. But it's a thing. And it, these aren't problems they're willing to fix. Like I, I, uh, I've got some buddies that just got out and they were in, oh my God. It's the fucking base down in North Carolina. Uh, an army base? Yeah, a uh, Bragg. They're out of Fort Bragg. Yeah. Or South Carolina, wherever yeah, the fuck South, that is. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, one of them was in Fort Bragg, and then another one went from Fort Bragg to Fort Carson up in Colorado and got out. And they're like, yeah, I mean, Carson's neat, and it's beautiful because it's Colorado, but like the problems that they were having in one base was the same thing as the other, to completely remove the leadership problems. Yeah. It's this the... Um, the quality of life for living on the base as a lower enlisted soldier, which I'd, I'd imagine what 60, 70% of the army starts out as a private mm-hmm. or as private to a specialist. Cause not everyone goes through college, becomes an officer or whatever. Yeah. It's the electricity doesn't work half the time. Uh, AC units barely work. Dehumidifiers down in Bragg barely work, which you need in those summers. Ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, black mold forming all over the base getting people sick and they're they're wondering like why the fuck is this happening like did you read about i think two months ago they between so what we're in july june yeah so between may of 2022 and february of last year there were over a hundred and like 50 130 unaccounted for deaths at fort bragg yeah that they're just sweeping under the rug yeah and it was like what, where are we and nobody's investigating yeah dude it's same thing with uh fort hood yeah where all the soldiers were getting raped and killed Lord, by the dude. same dude yeah what was it like six of them yeah. five of them fort hood is famous for the uh yeah the tragedies yeah man. It's, it's tragic yeah no that's uh that's a big concern um but they're not gonna address it dude <laughs> like you said they're just gonna sweep it under the rug because that's not their narrative at this point in time um but that, uh, you asked me at the beginning of the podcast that uh, if I ever thought about going active, um, I didn't really fully address that. But that was, that's one of the reasons I don't go active. Yeah, It's crossed my mind so many times to, because um, I'm really dedicated to my craft in the military, man. I, I take it seriously. Again, it's just um, some civilians would say, oh, you're just a guard. You're just a weekend warrior. Yeah. Fuck off, you know? Um, to me, I do take my craft seriously, man. And that's one of the reasons I named it high speed warrior. Um, but to go back on point, um, I have thought about going active so many times, but the, the, I don't know what you would call it. The pros and the cons Yeah, the pros are definitely outweighing the cons as far as going active. I I'm happy where I'm at right now in the guard than where I would be going active because I've, I've thought about going, um, so the pros of staying reservist guard, guard outweigh the pros of going active duty. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> yeah. So, um, no dude, I, as many times as I wanted to go, cause I wanted to go Ranger. Um, I, I'm still trying to do Ranger school. 
that's a different story. But um, just going special forces, dude, was something that I really wanted to do after I enlisted. But the the sacrifices that I got to make and what I got to put my family through to to be active duty is not worth it to me, dude. Um, um, I don't want to be selfish in that aspect. And not only is it going to affect my family, but myself as well as the living conditions that you just explained. I don't want to put myself or my family through any of that. It's not worth it to me. So that's one of the reasons, one of the main factors I would not go active is because of the shit that's going on right now. And for the years that it's been going on, it's it's not worth it for me. So Yeah, and God, even if, let's say the living conditions were as they should be, not even like above average or amazing, but just as they should be. You shouldn't have fucking black mold. Soldiers, yeah. shoulders, uh, shoulders, soldiers <laughs> or just service members, male or female, shouldn't be afraid of being sexually assaulted or physically assaulted yeah. by their leadership or by their peers. Yeah. And it happens to men and women, mm-hmm. which is, um, I mean, obviously it would not be better if it was just women, but like that's something that's not really talked about, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And it's both men and women that are getting assaulted one way or another. Yeah. <clears throat> But even if, like I was saying, even if their living conditions were great, I feel like there hasn't been a bigger distrust in the government right now since maybe Vietnam or going into like the couple years after 9-11. People were like, that's strange. Yeah. Jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams. That's strange. When that started going around. Yeah. Right. And then like what's scary to me, and it's just adding to the districts. It's one of the things that the government's been releasing, like declassifying these documents during the pandemic. The one that didn't really get swept under the rug from what I noticed was that they are acknowledging now that it wasn't just Al-Qaeda involved. Did you see that? Uh, as far as what? As far as, as far as 9-11 happening. Did you see that? No. Yeah, so they declassified these documents where they're acknowledging that, yes, Al-Qaeda were the ones who physically flew the planes yeah. into the building and orchestrated that, but the people who organized the whole operation um, enabled Osama bin Laden to do it. Well, Osama bin Laden wasn't shit. People need to realize that because we look back at it now, and he's like the warlord of the of the Middle East, right? He was the guy. They made a movie about him, movies about him, and mm-hmm. he was the guy. But he really wasn't all that much. And what enabled him and what kind of set him on the trajectory to becoming that Middle Eastern warlord was the uh, Saudi Arabians. And at the time, yeah. and at the time we were working with the Saudi Arabians. Yeah. So it adds a lot of credence. I'm sure you've heard this too, and I kind of subscribe to it that like we didn't orchestrate it. I think it's a dumb argument. Say, like, oh, we did it. And like, no, but like we knew about it. We just didn't stop it. Yeah, and when that gets declassified and people start having conversations like that, it just adds fuel to the fire of distrust in the government. Mm-hmm. So to stay in the military right now, or to even join, to say, "Yeah, I want to join the military right now," a lot of people will look at you like it's silly. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, do you do you do you feel that in the culture? Yeah, uh, especially as everything's getting so politically divided. Yeah, it's, it's, and that just goes back to the numbers, man. That's why the numbers are where they're at right now. It's just because that's the way people are thinking right now. And over the years, as you say, they're declassifying all this information and showing us what's really happening behind the scenes. And they're like, well, what's, what's, what's it going to benefit me then if, if I join? What, what's going to happen to me or what's going to happen then? What's going to happen to our government? What's going to happen to me deploying? All those questions run through these people's minds. And yeah. again, I don't blame them for it. You know, it's just that's the shit that's getting thrown at us right now. But 
I think that we just got to fucking take it in the chin and roll with it. Um, I'm not a, I'm not happy with a lot of the shit that's going on with this administration specifically. Every administration has their ups and downs, dude. That's just yeah. what it is. That's it, and one of the last things I wanted to ask you about, just pick your brain on. Yeah. Because, um, again, you love you clearly love the military. You love what you're doing. Um, and kind of like we had mentioned earlier, you for instance, you can't throw on a uniform and go to a protest. You mm-hmm. can't. And then on the opposite side of that, you can't throw on a uniform and then go, um, how do I want to put this? Like, you can't go hype somebody up. Like, you can't go, like, be pro this uh, politician. Yeah. Right? You can't go advocate yeah. for someone that you really love, and you can't go protest someone you hate while you're in uniform. Yeah. Right? Um, everything across the board for these service members is supposed to be completely uniform. You're all the same, regardless of what makes you unique or whatever as a civilian. When you're in that uniform, you're a service member. You're a Marine, you're an airman, airwoman, soldier, whatever. Yeah. But now, over the last couple of years, and it's been amplified under this administration, you have a lot of like, the, I hate saying it's so fucking cringy, but like, the, the, the wokeisms. Oh, yeah. You know, you have a lot of that seeping into the military. You have, like, yeah. one of the biggest ones lately um, was the Army release that animated recruiting video. Did you see that? I did. Of the girl with the two moms. I did. And then right alongside that, Russia released their recruiting video. <laughs> yeah, and <dude>. it's <laughs> fucking black and white. Like, I, look, dude. man, I'm all for people living their lives. Love who you want to love. Fuck who you want to fuck. Mm-hmm. I genuinely could not care less. Mm-hmm. I could not care less. Yeah, right, right. However, when the U.S. military, the the most powerful standing, specifically, specifically the most powerful standing army in the globe's history, yeah. in the history of the world, bro, when they're releasing a fucking Disney movie about someone that's specifically hammering home, hey, we love gay people. That's what they're saying, right? Yeah. We love the gays. Come join the military. We love the gays. We, don't worry about how we're actually treating you, but like we love the gays, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. When that's their message, not lethality, not effectiveness, not altruism. Like fucking, where's some American patriot? Like, why was Top Gun more American than fucking a recruiting video? Yeah, know what yeah. I mean. And then to sort of see that, and then you look at Russia. Yeah, dude. And it's like I was bred to fight. I was bred to <laughs> yeah. kill. I'm here to fuck you and fuck your whole life. You yeah, know what I mean? Dude. Or even like, did you see the Ukraine one that came I out like a month ago? Yeah. Where it's like. We use our shovels to fucking dig trenches. Yeah. We use our shovels mean communication. If I run out of ammo, I'm going to kill you with a shovel. Like, yeah. Yeah. Whoa. It's, it's, man, it's, dude, I'm speechless with all that. I don't know why, dude. Yeah. They're throwing the wokeism into, into the military. You can see it. And I think that's why they're throwing in these little minor changes. I mean, there's just slowly, like you said, the word seeping, they're just slowly seeping it into the military. Uh, and like, I'm, I'm the same page with you, man. Live your life. You don't know if you want to be gay, that's fine. Be gay. You want to fuck this person. That's cool. Fuck this person. But when you start throwing it into our fucking faces, like trying to feed us to shit, that's not cool, man. You don't see me trying to throw my fucking straightness into your goddamn throat. You know what I mean? <laughs> don't do it to me. Well, cause the concern that I have is, well, I have a problem with people making like that their whole identity because i know 
I, I, this is, I hate this argument too, where it's like, well, I have black friends, but no, like I have, <laughs> I have gay friends, but like they don't make it their whole identity. Yeah. Right. Right. Like they're like the gay men that I know, obviously they act a bit more effeminate. They act, they, their voice is a little higher. They dress maybe a certain way. Sure. They've, but they're not out like throwing it in your face. They're not out like, and even if you are doing that, that's fine. But like, when you start bringing that into an organization like the military, where it's all supposed to be uniform mm -hmm. and the same, and none of you are special, are you good at your job or are you not? Mm -hmm. That is what the military should be. And to start throwing in these weird things and start not like tainting it, but like just contorting it into something that's not supposed to be yeah. and making it about something it's not supposed to be. Do you feel that like altering mindsets? Do you feel like people have to be like, I want to say like censor themselves because obviously you shouldn't be like outwardly offending people for who they are. But like, do you feel like that it's just changing the culture? Oh yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. Um, and uh, we'll see it in a few years, man. If not one or two years from, from here, we're going to see it. And um, I, I just... That's that's the administration right now, man. But yeah, um, I'm not I'm not for it, man. I don't like when they're trying to force feed us this shit again. Live your life however you want. Just don't force it on us, man. And um, it's it's a culture change. Um, that those those little rules that they're changing for the military specifically is because of that. Is because of that. I mean, they're allowing uh, males to get. Clear nail polish now. I think that's what it was. Um, What's the point? Uh, yeah, and they're getting. <laughs> what uh, does that fix? They let males get highlights in their hair. Um, again, I don't know how that f affects you going out and killing a fucking terrorist, but I was gonna say like, <laughs> well, because that's another misconception is like the actual jobs in the military that involve combat in yeah. a sort of way. Yeah, that involves taking a life. Let's make it broad. Yeah, that involves taking life. Yeah is about 1%. Yeah. But the rules of the military apply to 100%. Mm -hmm. And when you start putting things like, because, and this is something that I think, do I think gay people can't be in the infantry? No, mm -hmm. not at all. But, but killing someone is a masculine trait. Mm -hmm. it, it, it requires a lot of testosterone. It requires a lot of reservations you have to throw away. Yeah. And it's just statistically, in violent conflicts, so you have outliers, of course. Like I know, I know some women that can beat the fuck out of me. Yeah. That can just throw me around, and I'm like, don't, yeah. don't hurt me. But <laughs> yeah. like, there's a reason why, <clears throat> you know, it's mostly men. Even with the infantry allowing women now and combat arms allowing women, mm. like, there's a reason why it's mostly men fighting wars throughout history. Yeah, because they are going to win. And it's just, I feel like when you start adding elements that can reduce the lethality of a force, even if it doesn't do it with an outcome, like even if you were to add a bunch of women into the military or add a lot of effeminate aspects into the infantry or into combat arms, even if you have a same outcome or similar outcome yeah, to our enemies who maybe aren't as um, altruistic as we are, who maybe don't have the same bleeding hearts we do. They look at that and they see weakness. Yeah. They look at that and they say, oh, okay, well, they're softening up. We can 
I don't know, invade a sovereign country. Yeah. No one's going to do shit about it. Uh, yeah. That's what the countries are saying right now about yeah. those fucking commercials that we just released for yeah. our military. I mean, and look what they came back with, man. Just fucking ultra machoism. Like, hey, we're going to fucking kill you and everybody you know. It's scary. And now you're f- now because like I really do believe personally that the reason Russia invaded Ukraine, a big reason was because he knew Putin knew that Biden wasn't going to do shit. Mm-hmm. Trump, on the other hand, I mean, like him or hate him, we didn't really have all that much conflict. Like what? We went 18 months without a service member dying. Yeah. Overseas. Yeah. That's unheard of. Yeah. That's impossible. That was, that's, that's not even a thing, but it happened because mm-hmm. they, because they were, we were in a conflict when Trump came into office, but then he just started fucking blowing things up. <laughs> yeah. He didn't even like boost up forces. He just kept blowing things up. Like he dropped the Moab onto a patch of dirt. He established dominance. There's a show he could. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. But it worked. And I'm afraid that like whether it's because of the military policies or it's because of the president we have and the the image that America is portraying right now. We're at we're we're coming up on one of our weakest points in our history, mm-hmm. and it's um, it's it's concerning. Yeah, it's concerning. Yeah, they're the administration's priorities are definitely not straight right now, man. Um, I mean, the second day of Biden's office, uh, the second day he got into office, I think the first thing he fucking did was sign something that the uh, I think it was that the transgenders can be in the military. I think that was. The second day in office? So it was, a, I think it was a combined thing. It was transgenders. You can be openly transgender in the military, but then the kicker, at least for me anyway, the, the thing that made me concerned about it was now they can get the transitional surgery mm-hmm. and it's covered by um, the military's healthcare. Okay. Yeah. And that's concerning. Yeah. And, and again, I don't want to sound like a bigot or sound like a transphobic individual, but yeah. it is an elective surgery. Yeah. I've never, and I'd love for someone to prove me wrong, but I have never heard of someone getting a transitional surgery to save their life. Yeah. I have never heard of that. Mm-hmm. Now, you could argue, like, oh, they're so mentally tormented, this and the other. It's like, okay, sure. But, and here's the analogy I always use is like, because I've had, a real life experience with this where like friends have come to me like, Hey man, I have like, I'm going through a really bad, like depressive episode mm-hmm. or like I've had a crippling anxiety or just something's wrong with my brain. I don't know what's wrong with me. What do I do? Yeah. Sure. I hear them out and I be a friend, but like at the end of that conversation, I try to like at least encourage them to seek a professional help, seek this, that or the other. Right. And right. more someone who's actually trained to deal with these problems outside of just, Hey, I can talk to you. I'm, I can hear you. Yeah. Right. I would never even dream of having that type of interaction and meeting it with, I'm so happy for you. You're depressed. Oh, let's celebrate it. Let's make that your whole personality. Let's, let's do a surgery to where you're permanently like, you know what I, Like that's because up until fuck like 2020. Yeah. Up until 20, 2019 or 2020 gender dysphoria was in the DSM four, which is like the big book of uh, illnesses. Okay. I think it, yeah, big book of like illnesses in general, but it has a whole section like mental illness and it's gender dysphoria. Okay. They took it out of the, and when they updated to the DSM-5, they took it out completely. It is no longer a mental illness. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. So when the scientific and medical community is now being affected by a agent, a political agenda, a social identity problem. Yeah. It's well, one, it's not exactly surprising that COVID was handled the way it was handled, but two, that's a problem. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, science and medicine, they all boil down to numbers. Numbers can't lie. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so if all this data is being affected by opinions and feelings and, you know, I feel discriminated against. Yeah. Yeah, dude, it was a, it was a big toll. Um, again, that's, that's, it shouldn't be priority for, for second day in office. Oh yeah. Yeah. So my, so my, my point here, my point, bringing all this up, my point to wrap this up. Yeah. My point is when you're allowing a severe mental illness, because I mean, mental illness is rampant throughout the military. It's yes. synonymous with military, mm -hmm. you know, doesn't make it right. doesn't make it positive, but it's just a fact. Right. But to like, accept one of the worst mental illnesses you can have. And then, cause you can, cause I've, I've been medicated for depression and anxiety and it actually helped me get out of it. Yeah. Right. Like I've been through that medication doesn't work for everybody, but it worked for me. It got me out of it. And I'm a, and I'm a, mostly different person Good. i'm still me but like i'm just not having like these crippling thoughts or these crippling worries right like that's gone thanks to medication yeah but but you know i was still able to live my life even with that but with something like gender dysphoria if it is as crippling as it is that it leads you to a fucking surgery Maybe you should explore some options, mm -hmm. some intense psychotherapy, some medication, something other than, I mean, this is assuming also that it's an adult going through this because now people are allowing children to do it. Yeah. So it's like, okay, as an adult, make your, live your life. Because I also recognize people like Caitlyn Jenner or um, Elliot Page, who used to be Ellen Page, trans transitioned. They seem to be doing okay. Mm -hmm. And that's great. Like if you have the money, the resources, the willpower, if you could take the time off work to do that, <laughs> fucking live your life, you yeah. know. But the average person doesn't. Mm -hmm. The average person cannot do that, whether it's financially or um, practically. And or the average person, I feel like those those are outliers. I don't know if the average person can handle that mentally. Yeah. Little on a kid, like I'm on uh, TRT right now, mm -hmm. and it's helping me a bit. Because it turns out I had the fucking test levels of a 65-year-old adult. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. you saying that. Yeah. yeah. So I do remember that. Yeah. So it turns out I was operating as a 65-year-old man. Yeah. So I obviously had to get on that. Right. Yeah. And I'm on, on a low dosage, very low dosage comparatively. Like maybe, I, I mean, granted, I compare that to like people that I know they're like bodybuilding. They take like high levels of test, right? Yeah. But then you look at like the medical doses that I'm given. And you propose to give that to an eight-year-old? Yeah. A 13, 14-year-old? Yeah, man. What the fuck are we talking? How is that not child abuse? Yeah. What man. the fuck are we talking about? Man, they're just making up these rules, man, <laughs> as we go. It's scary. And it's only going to get worse, dude. It's only going to get worse. It sucks to say, but yeah. I mean, it's like it's, that's the snowball effect that we're in right now. It almost has to get worse, just so people can finally wake up and be like, this is bad. Yeah. We need to flip this around before, well, damage is already going to be done, but before this country implodes. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, uh, we just, <laughs> some of us just got to look to 2024 to wait for <laughs> things to turn around. Right. I feel like, um, you know, there's a lot of buyer's remorse for people who voted for Biden. Oh yeah. Not everybody. Yeah. But I feel like there's enough. 
it's taking effect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they weren't thinking about that. They were thinking about other things. Yeah. While Trump was in office, mm-hmm. they were thinking about uh, short-term effects. Yeah. Um, not long-term effects. And um, you know, uh, I I voted personally for Trump not because you know I'm a Republican or a Democrat. You know, I vote independent. You know, but I just it's it's logical. You know what I mean? Um, and just the the mental state that biden has been in you, i mean you could just see he's not fully there you yeah. know and he's made it obvious over the years during pe- press conferences the debates all this stuff and you know i don't hate the guy but i mean he's just not fit for office man and well and you know i i me and her had this conversation at least once a week because there's once a week there's a new biden video about how he's shaking hands with nobody mm-hmm. or he's mumbling to himself or did you see like they had a press conference in the oval office and he had a cue card, mm-hmm. and the cue card was turned the wrong way, <laughs> and it said, you, like in big bold letters, "You, you. sit in your <laughs> chair. You answer questions from this news outlet." And it, like, yeah. it's all like big bold letters yeah. telling him, like, "You read your teleprompter." And yeah. it's like, if that was anybody else, quite literally anybody, else, if that was a Republican, if that was Trump, pe- oh, the man. the news outlets would not shut the fuck they would up. Flip their shit. They dude. would not shut up. Yeah. And I mean, it's one thing to say like politicians shouldn't be very old. We need term limits. I feel like that's that's a bipartisan thing amongst the civilians, mm-hmm. the citizens that we all agree on. But obviously, the people in charge are not going to put themselves out of a job. Yeah. Right. Um, that's going to take a real ballsy president to get into office with his mouth sh- or her mouth shut, and then like the first hundred days term limits and then just like you see a mass hysteria yeah um but you know if like you look at these senior citizens where it's mostly accepted over the age of 65 you start thinking can this person drive a car can this person operate machinery can this person think for themselves like me personally i work in the um i've bounced back and forth with different companies whether it's, 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 it's all caregiving, but it's whether it's like private pay, which was like my last job, private pay for mostly senior citizens, or now it's uh, through the state for people to develop developmental disabilities. Okay. Right. So specifically when I was working with people that were senior citizens, right? Ranging from the ages of like, or people that can't really like take care of themselves, ranging from the ages of 45 all the way up to fucking 102. Yeah. So, but when you start looking at the people between the ages of 65 and, a, or the age of 65 and above, there is legitimate legal conversations that are happening amongst family members, guardians who often are the same, or if they can't really afford it, they hire a company that selects someone to be their guardian, mm-hmm. right? Uh, a representative payee, a, um, a uh, power of attorney, stuff like that, right? Yeah. Doctors even get involved. And there are conversations about, can this person, are they mentally um, available? Are they mentally apt to make their own decisions? That's starting at the age of 65. And Biden is about to be 80. Yeah. And we're watching this guy. He's like the old grandpa that you have to hold his arm when you go out in public. Literally. It's like, I feel bad for the guy. Yeah. Personally, I can't help but feel bad for him because it's so, it's so obvious he's not making decisions. Yeah. Like anyone who thinks that Biden is making decisions is, <laughs> you need to open your eyes and watch some TV. Yeah. Or just open Instagram. 
but he's not the one making decisions. Yeah. And it's just sad because they're parading him around. And what even breaks my heart a little bit too is the fact that his wife goes along with it. Mm-hmm. She's so happy. <laughs> She's so happy to be the first lady and yeah. to have this bumbling bag of bones just be the be the president. Yeah. Like, how is that not exploitation of a senior citizen? You know yeah. what I mean? It's it's a sad story. For it's him, insane. You got through into that boat. Um, and that's, uh, uh, I mentioned before we turned this on that I, I, I got in trouble uh, for saying some stuff publicly on social media. You know, I wasn't talking down about him, but I was publicly speaking my opinion yeah. on him and the whole COVID situation. And I did get in trouble for that. Um, but it, again, uh, that's going to the beginning of the conversations where I think we should be allowed to speak what we what we feel as yeah. other people do too, um, whether we get uh, suffer consequences for it or not. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's uh, again, I don't hate the guy. I just think you know there should be better decisions made, especially f- affecting the military. But. Um, there's a lot of consequences that are being suffered right now or across the states, not only for military members, but gas prices, inflation, yeah. all this dumb shit, man, that we're going through. It's affecting people, man. Um, yeah. But hopefully it turns around soon, man, because, you know, a lot of people are look at, look at the homeless population right now. I mean, it's just growing. It's growing yeah. right now. So, Well, before we get out of here. Um, your company that you started, what, what's your, what's your, do you have a plan? Do you have a goal with what you want, where do you want to take it? Yeah. So, um, when I started high speed warrior, uh, again, it was just a little inside joke, uh, put myself on a sticker. Um, when I actually established my business in August, 2021, um, I made my mission to actually, um, give back to veterans, law enforcement, first responders, um, and sometimes other various organizations, um, but um, a portion of the proceeds that people spend money on for my business go to those various organizations. Um, my goal is to give back to them. I want to change people's lives for the better. Um, and um, when I say various organizations, uh, a few few months back, I gave back to uh, premature families, like uh, people who have premature babies. Right. That's just an example. So it's not just veterans, law enforcement, first responders, it's others as well. But I want to affect people's lives in a way that I know I'm making an impact, a positive impact on, because um, I've been down that boat before, man. And with the veteran suicide thing uh, and the spike in that, I want to be able to give my money and other people's money that are buying my product. I want to know that I want to let them know that they're making a change as well along with me. So I'm not selfish in an aspect of me just keeping all the money. (laughs) That's not what it is. Uh, I'm, I'm really doing my best. And every time someone does make a purchase, a portion of those proceeds, I'm donating to charities. I'm donating. I'm giving back to other people, people in need of help. And um, we're in the need of help right now. Yeah. Everybody is. Whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whether you're middle class, I'm giving back to everybody, dude. And um, another mission of mine is not only to give back uh, financially, but mentally and physically. Um, I'm a motivational speaker. Um, I do it through high speed warrior. Um, uh, I'm looking to get my fitness certification so I can, uh, start changing people's lives physically. Like a PT? Yeah. Cool. So, uh, fitness instructor, um, private sessions, things like that. Um, because if you keep up with me, see, I'm a fucking workout freak, dude. Yeah. Uh, I'm not the biggest, the fastest, the strongest. I'm none of that. Um, equally balanced man. And I just want to teach people that it's okay to be where you're at, where you're at. 
no matter what stage in life you're at. Um, I want to change people's lives if they just want, you know, a little change in their lives, dude. So that's another mission of mine, dude. Whether it be physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, I'm just trying to impact for the positive and trying to give back in any way that I can. And that's what a high-speed warrior's mission is about, man. That's that's fucking great, dude. I, I, it's, it's awesome uh, seeing an idea... Or a joke. I mean, that's how that's how this started. It was a joke. Yeah, it's a fucking joke between me and a, a buddy. And I kind of <laughs> thought about it for a couple seconds. I was like, "Hey, wait!" So it's 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 awesome watching that grow. Yeah, and I'm really happy for you, dude. Um, where can people find it? Um, so I, I got Instagram. It's official High Speed Warrior. Um, Facebook High Speed Warrior, and the actual website itself is officialhighspeedwarrior.com. Um, as of right now. Uh, those are the only three platforms that I got. Um, I don't know if I'll get anything else for it, but as far as they, the website's got links through Facebook and Instagram, so you could find them through there. Sweet. Um, and then that's where I'm at right now. I just started last year, man, so we'll see how it grows, man. Uh, you know, Google wasn't built in a fucking day. <laughs> Nike wasn't built in a day, so we'll see where High Speed Warrior gets, man. I'm looking to, I'm looking to make it big, man, and hopefully open a a shop, like an actual physical shop, brick and mortar kind of deal yeah. for high speed warrior, man. And hopefully retire early, man. And <laughs> yeah. Make it my sole business. So yeah, that'd be sick, man. Um, but yeah, um, I, I try to come out with new apparel every day. As you saw, I got the shirt, um, new designs coming soon. So new apparel coming soon, caps, mugs, bookmarks, uh, all kinds of shit, dude. So, Oh yeah, that's awesome. I'm trying to do it big. All right. Well, I really appreciate the time. I know you're a busy guy. Yeah. And on top of everything you do, you've got a family. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah man. Very, uh, very appreciative of your time. Of course. And I love to do this again, dude. Yeah. Thank, thank you for bringing me on, man. I really appreciate it. I had a great time. And uh, thank everyone for listening and watching. And we'll see you next time. Right. Bye, everybody. Cool.